Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you don't listen to X Files Truth, well, that would be unfortunate for everyone. The following podcast is based on actual X-Files cases. The truth? The truth. The truth. If you were to die now, the truth will die, and only the lies survive us. Gentlemen, we have control. The files have been recovered, and the men involved in their theft have been removed without incident. There is a small matter of concern with the FBI, but we'll handle that internally as usual. The media attention will amount to nothing more than a few uh, scattered obituaries. The Mulder problem. The investigation... The investigation will be an exercise. The men who killed Agent Mulder, the people who killed his father, they aren't meant to be found. You will find them. With all due respect, sir, I think you overestimate your position in the chain of command. Special Agent Mulder is dead. His body will not be recovered. And we've recovered the copy of the stolen computer files? Yes. How high does it go, Skinner? Who's pulling the strings? You can kill me, Scully, but you'll only be doing their work for them. I didn't come here to kill you. I came here to give you something. I've got the digital tape. You're lying. You must not do any work, change clothes, or bathe for four days. 
It's really going to cut into my social life. <laughs> there is an ancient Indian saying that something lives only as long as the last person who remembers it. My people have come to trust memory over history. Memory, like fire, is radiant and immutable. While history serves only those who seek to control it, those who would douse the flame of memory in order to put out the dangerous fire of truth, beware these men, for they are dangerous themselves and unwise. Their false history is written in the blood of those who might remember and of those who seek the truth. Welcome back to Season 3 of X-Files Truth. Today's file is The Blessing Way. X-File number, Classified. The Plot. In Two Gray Hills, New Mexico, Albert Holstein and his family are beaten by men in black as they search for the whereabouts of Fox Mulder. Scully is pursued by a black helicopter before soldiers retrieve her printed copies of Albert's translations of the digital cassette. Scully denies having the original cassette, saying that it's in Mulder's possession. Upon returning to Washington, the FBI puts Scully on mandatory leave and forces her to turn in her badge and gun. It is the recommendation of the Office of Professional Conduct that Special Agent Dana Scully be given a mandatory leave of absence until the full detail of her misconduct can be calculated. This summary action is justified under the OPC Articles of Review, and Agent Scully will complete her suspension of duty without pay or benefits due to the nature of her insubordination and the direct disobedience of her superior agents we will have to ask that you check your weapon and your badge before you leave the building, Agent Scully. We'd also ask that you make yourself available to answer further questions in our investigation into Agent Muller's whereabouts. I've told you everything I know. To the best of my knowledge, Agent Mulder is dead. Don't think this hasn't been difficult for everyone. Upon entering Mulder's office, she finds the cassette missing. Meanwhile, in New York City, the smoking man appears before the syndicate who question him over the whereabouts of the cassette. Where were the safeguards against this? These files were never to be seen. Forty years of work. The damage could be incalculable. Damage is done. Gentlemen, we have control. The files have been recovered, and the men involved in their theft have been removed without incident. There is a small matter of concern with the FBI, but we'll handle that internally as usual. The media attention will amount to nothing more than a few uh, scattered obituaries. The Mulder problem. Special Agent Mulder is dead. His body will not be recovered. He'll be officially listed as missing until the matter can be resolved quietly. And we've recovered the copy of the stolen computer files? Yes. And all the pertinent parties should be informed and we can continue with our work. Mulder, alive but severely wounded, is found buried under some rocks near the buried boxcar. Albert Hostein has Mulder taken to a Navajo sweat lodge to be healed during a blessing way ritual. 
during the ritual, Mulder has visions of Deep Throat and his father who urge him to recover and continue his search for the truth. I was first struck by the absence of time, having depended on it so completely as a measure of myself and my life. Moving backwards into the perpetual night that consumes purpose and deed, all passion and will. I come to you, old friend, with the dull clarity of the dead, not to beckon you, but to feel the fire and intensity that still live in you. And the heavy weight of your burdens, which I had once borne, there is truth here, old friend, if that's all you seek. But there's no justice or judgment without which truth is a vast dead. Hello. Go back. Do not look into the abyss or let the abyss look into you. Awaken the sleep of reason and fight the monsters within and without. Melvin Frohickey visits Scully's apartment and shows her a newspaper article about Kenneth Suna's murder. When she returns to FBI headquarters, the metal detector curiously goes off. Scully presents Skinner with the newspaper article, thinking that the data from Suna's death can clear Mulder in his father's murder. Skinner, however, refuses to do any follow-up on it. Scully, come in, please. You said you needed to see me concerning the investigation? Yes, sir. I came across a news article. A man's body was found in New Jersey, and I have reason to believe that he was killed by the same man responsible for Agent Mulder. Can I see it? The date of death postdates Agent Mulder's disappearance. Now, you already have the ballistics data from Agent Mulder's father on file. I would like you to run it against the ballistics from this man's case. To try and prove what? Well, if both men were killed by the same weapon, we could prove that Agent Mulder didn't kill his father. And it could also help us find the man who did. You've been relieved of your investigative function. Yes, I know that, sir. I just thought this might be helpful. I'm afraid not. This case would have been handled by the Trenton PD. They're on our drug fire ballistics database. If there was a match in the two slugs, all the bells and whistles would have gone off by now. You don't want to check? Miss Scully, I think you underestimate the duties and responsibilities of my position as assistant director. I was just trying to cooperate with your investigation, sir. To mitigate your situation and enhance your chances of reinstatement, isn't no. that right? I just want answers. And so do I. I want to know why I was asked to execute a search warrant on your apartment. To look for a digital cassette. I don't have it. Is this tape what Agent Mulder died for? I believe so. You want to bring me a smoking gun, Scully? You bring me this tape. Otherwise, I would ask you to go home, sit tight, and let us do our job. Is that all, sir? Yes, that's all. Did you ask her about the tape? She says she doesn't have it. Is that what she says? Yes, that's what she says. Well, that's unfortunate for everyone. 
leaving the building, Scully has a hunch upon seeing the metal detector again that leads to locating metal in the back of her neck. Scully sees a doctor who removes a small metal implant. Wow. It's definitely not buckshot. I, uh, I know what it looks like to me, but uh, I couldn't tell you how it got there. Take a look. like a computer chip that's what it looks like Scully sees her sister Melissa about the implant and she urges her to see a regression hypnotherapist to recover her lost memories Scully heads there but becomes scared during the session and stops it returning home she finds Skinner leaving her apartment and driving off Mulder recovered after the blessing way chant is told by Albert that he cannot bathe or change his clothes for four days. Scully calls Skinner, who denies showing up at her apartment. Skinner. You came to see me today. Excuse me? You came to my apartment. I assume you wanted to see me about something. I don't know what you're talking about. I saw you come out of my building. You've obviously made a mistake. I'm sorry. Scully heads to Boston to attend Bill Mulder's funeral, where she introduces herself to Mulder's mother, Tina. In the cemetery, Scully is approached by a syndicate member known as the Well-Manicured Man, who warns her that she is about to be killed, either by a pair of assassins or by someone she knows. Hello. I see you're a friend of the family. So am I. Do you think we might find a moment to speak? About? A very serious matter. Please, should we find some place away from the others? I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. You think the son is still alive? Who are you? I'm a member of a kind of consortium. We represent certain global interests. What kind of interests? Interests that would be extremely threatened by the digital tape that you are no longer in possession of. Threatened enough to murder? Oh, my, yes. What do you know about Mulder? That he is dead. Creep bono. You're lying. I'm not here to tell you lies. What are you here for? To tell you your life is in danger, too. Leave me alone. They'll kill you one of two ways. They'll send someone, possibly two men, kill you in your home or in the garage with an unregistered weapon which will be left at the scene. Using false documents supplied by associates of mine, they'll be out of the country in less than two hours. You said there were two ways. Yes. He or she will be someone close to you, someone you trust. They'll arrange a meeting or come to your house unexpectedly. You have some place else you might stay. Why? Why kill me? You want something they don't. Justice. And because they are now quite certain you don't have the computer copy of the files they're looking for. Why are you protecting me? I feel my colleagues are acting impulsively. Your death will draw unnecessary attention to our group. 
You're not protecting me, you're protecting yourself. Why should that surprise you? Motives are rarely unselfish. What kind of business are you in? We predict the future. The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Good day, young lady. Mulder comes to Tina's home in Connecticut and questions his mother about an old photo of his father standing with other members of the syndicate in front of a mysterious building. Melissa calls Scully and tells her she's coming over. After receiving a call immediately after that from someone who immediately hangs up, Scully leaves her apartment and tells Melissa that she'll head to her home instead. As she leaves, Skinner pulls up in his car, telling her that they need to speak in private. They head for Mulder's apartment. Melissa shows up soon afterward and is mistakenly shot by Luis Cardinal, who is hiding there with Alex Krychek. Realizing that they shot the wrong person, the two flee. At Mulder's apartment, Scully holds Skinner at gunpoint, thinking he's going to kill her. Skinner tells Scully that he's in possession of the digital tape. How high does it go, Skinner? Who's pulling the strings? You can kill me, Scully, but you'll only be doing their work for them. Forget about your job and your family. You'll spend the rest of your life behind bars. There isn't a federal judge that they couldn't persuade. What's the alternative? Let you kill me now? I didn't come here to kill you. I came here to give you something. I've got the digital tape. You're lying. I've got it in my pocket. I took it out of Mulder's desk. Just then, someone steps outside the door. This distracts Scully long enough for Skinner to pull out his gun on her. To be continued. Hand in your field report. Now for my field report for The Blessing Way. I love The Blessing Way, too. It's part of a nice little three-part uh, series that we have here with Anasazi and Paperclip. So I would definitely give it a 10, even though there's some better X-Files episodes, but uh, it's still an excellent episode, so I'd give it a 10, you know, compared to all TV shows and other X-Files episodes, too. For the Mythometer, it's definitely a myth arc, obviously, so that's pretty clear. And for the Sequelizer, again, it has a sequel. It's part of a three-part series, so high potential for a sequel on that one. But I love the fact that we get to see most of the main mythology characters in this one again. Mythology episodes are really great like that. They'll try to bring in everybody. You get CSM and the Syndicate, Mulder's parents, all kinds of stuff. Even, you know, some lone gunman. You know. <laughs> okay. So, pending any further evidence, this case, The Blessing Way, is filed open. Now let's hand it off to Chelsea in the chem lab and see what she has for the chemistry between Mulder and Scully for The Blessing Way. Welcome back to Season 3. Today's episode, as you know, is The Blessing Way. Well, we certainly left on a cliffhanger, didn't we? Is Mulder dead? Is he alive? 
Scully is called back by Albert Hosteen, and she is guided to where Mulder was last seen. Scully screams out for him, and boom, the title credits. Well, dang, is he alive or not? Before we find that out, Scully is put through the ringer. She lost her partner, she gets pulled over and searched, and then she's suspended. Dang, girl, what else can you do? Go home and talk to Mrs. Scully, of course. No shoulder better to cry on. Oh, and Scully didn't just drive there. She walked. The whole way. Probably needed some time to think. Well, good news. Mulder's alive. He was under a pile of rocks. Phew! Let's just say this. Thank goodness for Albert Hosteen, right? I really enjoyed the scene where Frohickey shows up at Scully's door. I think it's honest and true to what would happen if Mulder really died. Now, the scene where Deep Throat and Mulder's father come to him in a dream and basically tell him that he needs to keep going, I think was very true to Mulder's character. While Deep Throat wasn't necessarily a huge father figure in his life, he was kind of the current, most current father figure in Mulder's life. And with both of them just recently dying, I think it makes sense that those would be the two people that would come to him and give him strength to move on. Um, now, there's a scene where Scully goes through a metal detector, and that kind of seems weird and out of place and kind of pointless, but we'll get back to that. You know what? I really like the way that they wrote Scully in this episode. She doesn't fall apart when her partner is supposedly dead. She fights until she finds the truth, and she's strong just as Mulder would be if Mulder thought Scully was dead. She really does a lot of work in this episode. Now that scene with Scully going through the metal detector seemed pointless, yes, but now it starts to get interesting. Scully has some metal stuck in her neck. Now when Scully and her doctor take a closer look, it's a computer chip. What the what? This is something serious now. Now since Scully doesn't have Mulder to talk this over with, who's the next best thing? Her sister. It's interesting that Melissa is so similar to Mulder, but she comes from a different direction, if that makes sense. During their talk, Melissa pushes Scully to find out what she's been holding in. You know what that means, folks. Hypnosis. Now, surprisingly, Scully does it. This seems a little out of character for Scully, but like she mentions, she doesn't have access to any of the FBI labs, so what else can she do? Now, remember how we're still confused at this point if Skinner is a good guy or a bad guy? Well, here we go again. Scully sees Skinner leaving her apartment. She calls him out on it, and he denies it. We see him get off the phone, and what? CSM? Skinner, man, what are you doing? No wonder Mulder and Scully can't trust you. Scully's character grows so much in this episode. Not only did she try the hypnosis, but now she has a dream that Mulder is telling her that he's alright. But she doesn't just keep it to herself. She acts on it. She does something very bold. Scully tells Mulder's mom at William Mulder's funeral that her son might still be alive. Now, what if she was wrong? Scully doesn't usually do things that would have such a great 
impact unless she's 100% sure about something. So what has made her so sure? Well, Manicured Man overhears this and very clearly tells her that someone is going to kill her. Well, geez, as if Scully wasn't going through enough. What happens next? Scully talks to her sister on the phone. She wants to come over and see how she is. She hangs up. She gets another phone call, but it's a hang-up. Scully knows better than that. She knows it's whoever is after her. She tries calling back her sister, but Melissa has already left. In the day where almost no one has a cell phone, she just leaves her a message and tells her she'll look for her on the way. She walks out, and there's Skinner. He asks her to go with him somewhere to talk. Scully thinks, this is it. They've sent Skinner to kill me. She gets in the car with him, probably only because she has her gun with her. She has the upper hand. They go to Mulder's apartment, and as soon as they walk in, Scully pulls her gun on Skinner and asks him about everything that's going on. Now, remember how Melissa was supposed to go to Scully's? Well, Skinner isn't the one they sent. Nope. Alex Krychek is there, waiting for Scully to come home. Melissa enters the apartment and bang! Whoops! Wrong Scully killed. Krychek realizes this and tells his partner that they need to go. Back to Scully and Skinner. Scully tells him that she knows that he was sent there to kill her, but that she'll do it first. Skinner comes back that he isn't there to kill her, but that he has the digital tape that everyone is looking for. Scully sees a shadow at the door, and wham! Skinner pulls out his gun. Both are pointing their guns at each other, and... To be continued. Now, I know it was getting a little storytelling there at the end, but I feel like it was important to go over every scene. They were all important and involving either Mulder or Scully. This was a great episode, and so much happened, and it was told so well. Not only that but we just opened up a whole new chapter to the mythology and we haven't even realized it yet. So many clues have been scattered throughout this episode. So many little stepping stones leading to what's coming. Are you excited? I'm rating this episode 4.8 out of 5. What's your rating? Let us know at xfilestruth at live.com. Counterintelligence. Inside information. This is Agent Stone with Counterintelligence with X3.1 The Blessing Way. Original air date September 22nd, 1995. Written by Chris Carter, directed by R.W. Goodwin. If you were to die now, the truth will die, and only the lies survive us. 
The Blessing Way is the second in the three-part Season 2 Ender slash Season 3 opener following Anasazi. We get further down the rabbit hole with the Navajo Code Talkers, the MJ Documents, and the Digital Tape, the existence of alien visitation and experimentation, the funeral of Bill Mulder, the introduction of the well-manicured man, the death of Melissa Scully, and the Blessing Way ceremony. Anasazi aired in the U.S. in spring, leaving Chris Carter the summer ahead of him to work on the concluding episodes of the three-part story in which Mulder's narrow escape from death would be explained. It was during this break that a serendipitous opportunity for further inspiration came his way. Carter and his executive assistant, Mary Astadorian, had carried out a great deal of research and preparation for writing Anasazi, but had been unable to secure the help of a native consultant. I had made some factual errors about the Navajo culture, Carter admits, and that was pointed out to me subsequent to the airing of Anasazi. Tribal elders never wear their hair down. It's not a sign of their position. They would never touch something dead. They would not touch a snake. Just little things like that. So I said, fine. We tried our best. We tried to ask people and got little to no help in conducting this research. But I said I would be interested to meet the Navajo and to learn more about the culture in order to write about it accurately. And they, in turn, invited me to this Native American church peyote ceremony. Carter traveled to Window Rock, Arizona to attend the eight-hour ceremony which was held in a teepee. It was like a birthday ceremony for the son of what they call the Road Man, the equivalent of the Medicine Man for this area. We sat there, all these Navajo and I, and we did the peyote ceremony. They chanted all night long, took the peyote, the peyote tea and the peyote paste, and it was one of those experiences that you can't buy. The ceremony left Carter with many vivid memories, some more pleasant than others. I'm not used to sitting on the ground, so it was excruciatingly painful sitting there on that hard floor all night long. That really is my main memory, that and the taste of the peyote. It's bitter, very earthy tasting. The tea's not bad, but it has nothing flavorful about it. You also take what they call mountain smoke. It's tobacco, which is not nicotine tobacco, rolled in a corn husk. You smoke that, and that's part of the ritual. So I remember that part too, because I'm not a smoker. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I remember the tending of the fire. The fire has a spirit of its own. During a bathroom break, I think we took two during the night, one of the women commented on the quality of the fire, she said, the fire is very calm and gentle tonight, not angry or violent. And I thought that was a very interesting thing, that they see the meaning in all the elements. And they see life in them, too. That's very much a part of the way they think. They're very much of the land. The peyote did have an effect on me. It was kind of enlightening in a way, but I don't think I ate enough peyote to find myself transcending. I was afraid of getting sick. Everyone says that if you have never done it before, you can very easily get sick, and I was a little concerned about spending the whole time on my hands and knees. I'm glad I had the experience, but I can't say that I was transported to the place where they hope to be transported, which is to make contact with their ancestors. My father had died just prior to that, so I was hoping it would have something of a spiritual quality, but ultimately I think it was more just a very interesting experience. On his return to Los Angeles, Carter wrote The Blessing Way and Paperclip using much of what he had learned in Arizona. I have to say that it was very helpful for me to have gone down there. 
They're very proud people, and I think that comes through in the rest of the trilogy. Ritual ceremonies are a fundamental part of everyday life for the Navajo. The Blessing Way ceremony that we see in the episode of the same name forms the core of the Navajo social and religious structure and is not reserved solely for rare, extreme situations like the one in which the Navajo found Mulder. In Navajo belief, there are all sorts of dangers lurking, waiting to pounce on unsuspecting and unprotected souls. Their belief system encompasses witches, sorcerers, wizards, and other sundry malevolent beings, an astounding array of taboos relating to animals, natural phenomena, and even healing ceremonies. Be careful not to pee on coyote tracks, lest the coyote spirits become enraged. Don't build your hogan facing anything but east. Don't touch the recently dead. Ensuring spiritual safety is paramount, and on the assumption that two nights of prevention is worth nine nights of cure, the Navajo perform the Blessing Way on a regular basis. The Navajo believe that their creators, their ancestors, the holy people, came up from the inner earth, when first man, first woman, first boy, first girl, when the cardinal lights and all the rest of them emerged, they immediately held a blessing way ritual at the edge of Emergence Lake. As a result, mountains, plants, and everything else were created and given inner life. The blessing way is frequently performed just to ensure that everything is and will remain in harmony. But what if something bad does happen? Suppose some evil smoking member of a shadowy governmental organization tries to blow you up in a railway car full of vaccinated alien-like corpses. What then? Fortunately, there is a full range of curative ceremonies based on the Blessing Way and designed to target a specific problem. In the case of a physical or spiritual ailment, the first step is diagnosis. The Navajo classify disease not by the symptoms but by the cause. This is sometimes hard to determine, so you need to call in either a listener, a stargazer, or a hand trembler. The first two have learned their craft over years of study. The third relies more on divine inspiration and on being possessed by the Gila monster. All three go into a trance-like state while diagnosing. Once they figure out what you have, or more to the point, what has you, the appropriate ritual or chant is performed. Singers, also called chanters, are extremely skilled and usually limit themselves to learning no more than one or two ceremonies. These can last up to nine days and include singing, sand painting, and sometimes ritual bathing. The goal is to attract the holy people and exhibit such a tentative devotion to them that they decide to help you. Navajo faith in ritual is absolute and many former code talkers credit their safe return from the war to the fact that their families at home performed blessing way ceremonies for them. Once home, many were also given enemy way ceremonies designed to protect them from the ghosts of those people for whose deaths they had been responsible during the war. The Navajo themselves have suffered at the hands of the U.S. government, so while they may not actually have a conspiracy way, they would certainly have the means to help Mulder's soul survive his encounter with its officials. X-Files viewers may rest assured that the agents will cross the path of Hosteen and the Navajo again. Chris Carter says that his fascination with Native American culture endures and adds, quote, I loved working with Floyd Red Crow Westerman, and so I'd like to bring him back. For now, I'd say this case is open. The final word on The Blessing Way... 
We predict the future, and the best way to predict the future is to invent it. What's going on out there? What's out there for the Blessing Way? Our first review comes from AV Club. Now, the Blessing Way isn't actually some abomination of an episode, but it is one of the episodes that has aged atrociously. In general, when the X Files was dealing with the weird compromises the West made to stay ahead of communism after World War II was over, it was at its best filtering some of the awful things nations like the United States had done through the veil of alien conspiracy theories to make them more palatable to a mass audience. Episodes like that, like the very next one, are the best the conspiracy myth arc has to offer, even when that storyline has mostly run out of gas in the seasons to come. And season three is chock full of mythology episodes like that, and one that brilliantly sends them up. But when the X-Files tried to engage in trendy, for the time, New Age spiritualism, it tended to completely fall apart, and half of the Blessing Way is pseudo-mystical bull. Fortunately, the other half is Scully running around trying to find Mulder and the men who she thinks killed him. This half is pretty much awesome, and it redeems the episode. Up until now, Scully's had far too few chances to rescue her partner while her partner has gotten many, many chances to rescue her. A motivated Scully is one of the very best things the X-Files had to offer, and Gillian Anderson makes the most out of racing across the country to try to find Mulder, facing off with Skinner, and just generally being a pain in the ass to the consortium, which gets its introduction in this episode. Now, I don't quite agree that this episode is necessarily an abomination. Um but I can understand the points that this reviewer makes. Um, the New Age stuff tends to get a little weird, you know. When we go into the hypnosis, it doesn't always come out as strong as it tries to. Um, but I do agree absolutely with the fact that this is a great chance for Scully to come through. Next review comes from Unwelcome Commentary. The Blessing Way works like a spiritual sister episode to Ascension, only with the roles reversed. Here, Mulder has vanished and Scully is left trying to pick up the pieces. It's a great decision to have Scully thrown deeper into the mythology of the series, with the chip discovered in her neck, while her personality continues to evolve at the same time. She's no longer the trademark skeptic, in blatant denial over the existence of otherworldly phenomena but an actual piece of the overarching puzzle. Jillian Anderson is pretty badass here, resourceful and smart, but free of the impulsive and easily coerced qualities that Mulder possesses. Another positive decision made by the writers is to give an actual face to the bad guys at work. We're introduced to a shadowy contingent of cigarette-smoking men 
each one operating to keep the truth hidden, while at the same time, Scully encounters her own vague, mysterious conspiracy dude. The well-manicured man. Said dude appears to be helping Scully, or at least going against his cohorts, but who knows where his real allegiances lie. Now, I like what they said about giving an actual face to the bad guys at work. I think that's an excellent choice. As scary as it is to have a shadowy figure, I think it's even scarier to have an actual face to the bad guys. Um, Not only for us to see that, but for our main characters to see that. Because not only, you know, can they not do anything, they just can't say anything. I mean, if they try to say anything, they'll just end up looking like they're crazy and it it just makes it that more frustrating and challenging for these characters. Now what was interesting is that I didn't read these reviews before I made my review and I think in a lot of the reviews that I read um, they had all talked about kind of Scully evolving in this episode and I had actually said that in my review as well and I think that's very interesting that so many reviews kind of made that point. Um, While, yes, this is the third season, I still consider it to be kind of early in the series, considering the length of the series, and it's still fun to see that these characters are still um, developing, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. This is going to be great. All right, that's what's out there for The Blessing Way. Character Profiles Profiles in Character This week's profile, The Well-Manicured Man, as portrayed by John Neville, easily one of the coolest X-Files characters of all time. The Well-Manicured Man was a member of the Syndicate. Without his group's authorization, he secretly helped FBI Special Agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully in the late 1990s. The well-manicured man had at least one grandson and resided at least temporarily in Somerset, England. It seems implied several times that the well-manicured man is the leader, or at least a ranking member of the Syndicate, as the group is portrayed in the show. Conrad Strughold seems to be the ultimate leader of the organization, but that character is only present in the X-Files movie, and neither appears nor is directly referenced in the television series. About 1973, the well-manicured man was present when a photograph was taken outside the Strughold Mining Company in West Virginia. Six other men, including Fox Mulder's father, William, were also present. In 1995, he attended a meeting between members of the Syndicate in a club on New York's 46th Street. During the meeting, the cigarette-smoking man, another member of the group, announced that Fox Mulder was dead. Before his reported demise, Mulder had stolen MJ documents, important Department of Defense files concerning UFOs. 
At the meeting, the cigarette smoking man stated that the files had been returned. Soon thereafter, the well-manicured man attended the funeral of William Mulder, Fox Mulder's father. He overheard Dana Scully, who was also present at the funeral, say that she thought Agent Mulder was still alive. The well-manicured man soon revealed his presence to Scully, introducing himself as a, quote, friend of the family, and asked that they talk in private about an extremely serious matter. As they walked along a nearby path, he admitted that he had overheard her earlier. He warns her that she's in real danger of being killed, perhaps by someone she knows, and he adds that his colleagues, a, quote, consortium representing global interests, are acting impulsively. If the MJ documents had not been returned, those interests would be so threatened by the files that they would be willing to commit murder to retrieve them. The well-manicured man claimed that Mulder was dead. Although Scully refused to believe him, he assured her that he was not lying. He also warned Scully that her own life was in danger, as the group he was part of would send someone to kill her. He further explained that Scully was in danger because, unlike his group, she wanted justice, and because they were almost completely certain that she did not have the MJ documents. He confessed that he had informed Scully of this news due to the belief that his colleagues were acting impulsively, and a fear that Scully's death would bring unnecessary attention to his group, a motive that he admitted was selfish. He told Scully that his group were in the business of predicting and inventing the future before he left. Introduced at the beginning of the third season, the well-manicured man is an English member of the Syndicate, a shadow organization within the United States government that exists to hide from the public the fact that aliens are planning to colonize the Earth. He's an important member of the Syndicate, along with the cigarette-smoking man and the Elder, and was a friend of William Mulder earlier in his life. The well-manicured man prefers subtlety to brute force and will attempt to manipulate those in his way before using physical violence. Although the Syndicate's goals are opposed to those of Fox, Mulder, and Dana Scully, the well-manicured man will, at times, aid them with clues or information, believing that letting out a certain amount of information would help to keep the two close and consequently allow for them to be controlled. The well-manicured man openly despises the smoking man, seeing him as impulsive and unprofessional. The two maintain a bitter relationship within the Syndicate throughout the series. The well-manicured man is instrumental in the Syndicate's secondary agenda to develop a vaccination against the black oil used by the aliens as a means of mind control. To this end, he works with Russian double agent Alex Krychek to develop a vaccine, eventually testing it successfully on a Syndicate mole, Marita Kovarubius. In the 1998 feature film The X-Files, when Scully is infected with the black oil and taken to Antarctica, it is the well-manicured man who, having grown disillusioned with the Syndicate, gives Mulder the coordinates needed to find her and a sample of the vaccine needed to cure Scully. The colonists had kept a secondary characteristic of the black oil that those infected with it for prolonged periods would gestate a new colonist life form killing the host. Upon discovering this, the Syndicate vowed to work more closely with the colonists in the hopes of being spared this fate, while only the well-manicured man wished to continue working on a vaccination for resistance. This rejection led to his betrayal of the Syndicate, and to him committing suicide by car bomb before his duplicity was discovered. Well-manicured man seems to get along rather well with most everyone around him, and is even polite and respectful to Mulder and Scully during their encounters. The only person who he seems to openly dislike is the cigarette-smoking man, whose methods and attitudes he is often vociferously contemptuous of.
He seems to regard CSM as little more than a brute killer, and in regards to one situation, he angrily tells CSM that, quote, this will take more than just a good aim. John Neville has stated that he was originally hired for just two episodes of the series, but that his character was regularly brought back because the audience simply doesn't know if he stands for good or evil. Series creator Chris Carter has described the character in terms of his relationship with the Smoking Man, noting that the two characters can be seen as differing in approach, differing in philosophy, and differing in personality. Writer Frank Spotnitz has described the well-manicured man as, quote, sort of the white knight to the cigarette-smoking man's black knight in this chess game that we are playing. The character has also been described by Carter and Spotnitz as the, quote, voice of reason within the syndicate who believes that violence is the wrong way to protest the secret which they guard. The character of the well-manicured man appears in the episodes The Blessing Way, Paperclip, Apocrypha, Tunguska, Terma, Patient X, The Red and the Black, and The End, as well as the X-Files movie Fight the Future. John Neville was born May 2, 1925, and died November 19, 2011. Other than The X-Files, John is probably best known for The Adventures of Baron Munchausen and The Fifth Element, as well as countless movie and television credits since the 1950s, but I also fondly remember him in the short-lived 90s sitcom Grand. Both John Neville and the well-manicured man will be greatly missed. Have you checked your email? I found these in my email this morning. And now, the female with the emails, Agent Chelsea. All right, everyone. Please let us know how you like the episode. We love hearing your thoughts and your theories and your favorite parts of the episode. Ways you can do that are our email, xfilestruth at live.com. You can send us basically anything you want there, your story of how you got into the X-Files or your favorite episode of the season, things like that. Another way is our Facebook page. You can uh, search X-Files Truth Podcast on your Facebook, like our page, and feel free to go through our timeline. We post a lot of different fun stuff, links to reviews and websites that we like, and we post different birthdays that are on each day, and we also post when we have a new episode there as well. And we actually got a post from Anu. Uh, She wrote a quote from the show, actually. You're not supposed to die, Mulder. Not here. What do you mean? Not in a comfortable bed with the devil outside. Fight the fight. And then she added, 2012 ain't the end of the world. So thank you, Anu. That was fun to see and you you had posted that at the end of 2012, and that was a lot of fun to read. Hopefully you all had a happy New Year's as well. Just wanted to throw that in. You can also go to our iTunes page and review our podcast. Click out of five stars how you like our podcast and write a little blurb on what are your favorite parts or how you think overall of the show. 
you can go to our website, which is where we post all the links to everything we mention in the show. Um, you can also comment there and leave your thoughts. We actually recently had a comment on a post mentioning that Agent Shadow is bringing snow tracks back, where he goes over the music of a show, and we had a comment saying, Cool, Mark Snow's music and soundscapes were integral to how the show is received. How about a special show like the Shipper special, Good Job Female Agents, covering Snow's contribution to the show? I think that's a great idea. Um, I think that Shadow loves going over the music, and if he has time, hopefully maybe he could do that. But for now, feel free to check out Snow Tracks. Uh, it's a great show to listen to, and if you enjoy the music on the show, you will absolutely love it. Um, Shadow is very passionate about the music on the show. It's honestly probably his favorite part of the show, and absolutely deserves the time to listen to. Alright guys, uh, we look forward to hearing from you and hope you all are enjoying 2013. Time on X-Files Truth. Mulder and Scully seek evidence of human-alien hybrid experimentation by Nazi war criminals pardoned through Operation Paperclip, while Assistant Director Skinner, now in possession of the missing DAT tape, tries to bargain with the cigarette-smoking man for the lives of the two X-Files agents. you are looking forward to season three the x-files start hitting their stride here and season three kind of ushers in the golden era of the x-files remember to check the site xfilestruth.com the site has a newer look to it with a slideshow banner showing images of recent episodes and if you're a fan of mark snow's music i've relaunched my tribute to mark snow's music with my podcast snow tracks special thanks to agent m for all the hard work he's put in behind the scenes for both of these shows you can see all the Snowtracks episodes listed on the sidebar at the main page or on the Snowtracks page, which has all the show's notes. Snowtracks is a kind of companion podcast to X-Files Truth. And finally, a scheduling note. X-Files Truth will be going to a once-a-month schedule. This is because we want to put out the best quality podcast for you guys, and this will give us more time to do all the work that's required to put out a podcast of this size. So the next episode will be released the first weekend in February, and all subsequent podcasts will be released on the first weekend of every month. So that's all for this week, and we will see you next month for Paperclip.
X-Files Truth is Agent Chelsea with ChemLab out there and email segments. Agent Stone with Counterintelligence, Character Profiles and Promo Segments. Agent M provides the audio clips from the episodes. Plot, field report, and show production by Agent Shadow. I made this. 20th Century Fox. So, the final word on the blessing way, we predict the future, and the best way to predict the future is to... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.